We have a saying around here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, no brains, no headache. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, boys. Oh. What's up? What's up? Damn, son, where'd you find this? Welcome to the No Brains, No Headache podcast, episode 97, everyone. Uh, it's truly an honor to be here surrounded by all these wonderful people as we navigate through the fourth annual Your Town Tour for ND Country Fest. Now, Matt and I have been helping out any way we can. An idea we had was to do some interviews while we're having a good time. So this episode will be an interview with a good friend of ours that I will int introduce very shortly then we have some extras with our amazing sponsor, Bree at Northwest Realty Group. She joined us in studio for a Q&A, uh, not only about the Fuego real estate market, but also get to know her and hear about some of her sports loyalties, uh, i.e. the Green Bay Packers and some of their latest moves. It's episode 97 of No Brains, No Headache podcast. This is an NBNH media production. Let's get it on. Okay. Let's party. We are now joined by a very, very good friend of the show. Uh, we've been waiting to get him on for quite some time. But when this opportunity arose, we decided to be patient and do it in person, and I'm glad we did. He hails from the birthplace of country music, being New Jersey, and has taken his talents to Tucson, Arizona, where he has made it his personal responsibility to turn up the volume at Whiskey Roads. He has toured with the likes of Jason Aldean, Florida Georgia Line, Thomas Rhett, mm -hmm. Sam Hunt, and now David Lee Murphy, as well as many others. Thank you for doing this. It's DJ Do. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Hey, this is a blast. We're out here at Fluffy Fields in Dickinson, North Dakota. Uh, you were here last year. You had a pretty good time. How was the wine? Um, I barely remember, but I think it was great. <laughs> Almost too good? Too good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the scene of the crime. We're back. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, let's let's jump in. How does how does someone get from New Jersey, being born in New Jersey, and then out to Tucson, being a DJ? Well, I was actually country music. I was actually born in New York City, lived upstate New York for a while, and then ended up in New Jersey. But uh, but I ended up getting a job offer out, and I was DJing in New Jersey. I ended up getting a job offer out in in Arizona and Phoenix. And I had this company see me and said, "Hey, can you come in and put some of that energy into a club?" into uh into phoenix and tempe and i was like oh sure i could do that no problem no problem well i didn't realize it until i got there he offered me two free super bowl tickets this was back in 1996 wow. when the super bowl was in phoenix for the first time and i showed up there not realizing it was a country club and i knew <laughs> nothing about country music like country music to me was run dmc and, <laughs> yeah run dmc and ll cool j that's about as country as i knew and so anyhow i had a, a wonderful mentor there and he essentially said hey listen all i want you to do is just live and breathe country music i want you to go to all the hick places i want you to listen to country radio i want you to do whatever you can and i want you to figure out a way to turn country music into something that's gonna get nuts and crazy and i did and hence ended up in tucson the same company said we have a club that's closing in tucson and we're probably gonna close it in about six months but i want you to go down there and try to make as much money and turn this place into a cash cow and then we'll try to sell it 
Well, he says, you'll only be down there for six months. And I was like, I'm not going to Tucson. I'm from New York City, New Jersey. You know, I'm like Pauly D down there. I'm like, there's just no way. Sure enough, they left me there for 18 years. <laughs> they never closed the club. Oh, same owners and everything? Same owner. They never closed a freaking club. I was like, you son of a... <laughs> but I ended up falling in love with Tucson. I mean, I have offers all the time to move to Nashville full time, and I'd probably do a lot better for myself there. And uh, but there's just some there's just some kind of romance about Tucson that I have, and I just love it there. Well, hey, you got a good friend out in Tucson, and he also joins us here uh, at Fluffy Fields while we're recording. He was on the podcast in the past. Uh, his name is John Paul. John Paul, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Having a good time at ND Country Fest, your town tour. Entirely way too good of a time, but, you know, hanging out with this guy is always a blast. So, <laughs> How was the first night of your town tour for you? <laughs> <laughs> it was a good night. The end, it didn't end so well, but, you know. <laughs> John Paul's head versus some drywall. Yes. <laughs> and a flight of stairs. <laughs> Gravity might have been involved. I'm, I don't I'm know. sure all those have very interesting stories behind them. <laughs> oh. Are you sure you weren't pushed? <laughs> yeah, I think do push me. He's just not fessing no, up. I, 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 think what, that, what, I think that North Dakota sweet crude pushed them. <laughs> what are friends for? Uh, to take videos yeah. of you fucking up. Yeah. Yeah. That, that At least I wasn't problem. in front of you. That's what he was mad about is he didn't video it so it didn't go live on TikTok. Well, you could just go back to the hotel and you'd find a cowboy-shaped hole in some drywall. And <laughs> Me and Cowboy Joe just looked at each other and, I, and he was thinking like, he all he could think about was, he might be dead. <laughs> and all I could think about was like, looks like I got my own room tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up in his morning, his cowboy hat's all crooked and dented and bent. <laughs> He's like, what is this white crap all over my hat? I goes, drywall, you idiot. <laughs> when you hit the bottom of the stairwell. <laughs> I left I left a little bit of drywall on there just for reminiscence the rest of this week. So I don't know, I got been... fucking wasted last night. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Well, you guys were all you back at it right away the next day. and nah, like, we're not quitters. Yeah, well, can you tell the story about how you came into town? Because I didn't believe it when John Paul told me that you had not slept. No. And you were, and you were up. So, so I am an entertainment director at a, at a wonderful nightclub down in Tisa. Brand new, Whiskey Roads. And essentially, I had to play. I play also. So I had a solo gig that night on a Wednesday night. And I didn't get out of there until about almost 3 in the morning. And our flight was at 5 a.m. So I literally had to go straight from the gig right to the airport. And, of course, we had a layover in Dallas. And it's just and we never got to sleep. Nope. I don't know how we made it, to be honest. I don't even, we do it all the time. And I was, why do we keep doing this to ourselves? <laughs> We're not spring chickens anymore. No, no, for sure. No. Yeah, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm sure, at some point down the road. I'm gonna, It'll happen. Yeah. Well, because I, I knew the story, and then John Paul told me, and I was like standing there, and you're walking off in the stadium, and you're like, why aren't you smiling? I'm like, I don't know, I'm a little tired. And you go, don't even talk to me about being tired. And I was like, well. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a rough one. So John Paul's little flight down the stairs, I, I have to attribute a lot of that to probably no sleep as well. So Yeah, for sure, for sure. We were both And North Dakota tired. sweet crude. Yeah. <laughs> well john paul i want to focus on you for a second you've had a crazy couple of weeks before coming into your town tour you want to tell us about it sure yeah uh went to nascar up in phoenix um uh the weekend or actually two weeks before that and um hung out there for four days you know watching watching cars turn left and uh had a really good time there and 
And then um, the weekend after that, went up to Idaho for a few days to play in the snow and thought, oh, I'll get my cold out of the way and then came out here and it's freezing out here. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting back to Tucson on Tuesday just so I can thaw out a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's been been kind of a whirlwind and then got Country Thunder coming up in another week and a half after I get back. So uh, last uh, the four, four weeks or five weeks, four out of five weekends, just been busy going and doing stuff and and uh you know it's always a pleasure to hang out with do and, and come out and help him out with his gigs and, and always a good time great people out here we always hit you know last july when we came out for the festival had a blast with you guys you guys were huge help for us a little rainy and stuff and we had a good time but uh so. had a little bit too much of a good time the last night yeah well you know so wow. I, 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 apparently, <laughs> I, apparently i decided to take over your uh your role in that and ended up down the stairs on the first night so. well, well the, the last day we're sitting there and like festival is over we're like ah right, let's let's blow it out last night and well, i did that and uh i wake up in the morning and john paul's like comes over he goes hey you got a broom and i'm like i don't even know where my pants are where the <laughs> hell did i find a broom he was still laying on the floor <laughs> <the other day. laughs> people were cleaning up and i was just dead to the world <laughs> Oh god! Uh, we reenacted a... that in in, in uh, Minot. Yeah. We had at the bar. <laughs> oh god! The guy, that guy that owned that bar, whatever it was, he wanted to hit na- announce his mayor candidacy yeah, yeah. on uh, stage. I wouldn't let him. So. <laughs> Let's just say we might be the official podcast of his mayor campaign. Yes, we so haven't penciled can, out the details. We yet. should have announced it on the podcast, I guess. But, <laughs> but. I need a check first. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So for our listeners, in case they haven't figured out or they don't know, yeah, we met DJ Do and John Paul last Country Fest. Uh, they you know, got hired to come up there, have a good time. DJ Do does a great job on stage. But let's just back up to DJ Do in its essence, the name. DJ Do, how did you come up with that? It's DJ D-U. Right. Well, my name is actually Duhamel, D-H-A-M-E-L. So when I was a kid in high school, it wasn't even a DJ thing. It was just that's what just kids called me because they couldn't pronounce my name. So they just said you know, do them. I was do, you know, and so do Hamill, do this, you know, do we do this? So eventually just do, and everyone just stuck with do. So actually people named me, I didn't give myself the name. It was just kind of there because it was just easy to pronounce. And, and honestly, it saves me money on printing on t-shirts. There you go. Yeah. Did you flirt with <laughs> any other names? Um, I had, um, DJ Cutmaster Cutmaster DC was my was my hip hop name when I was a kid because I was DJing in hip hop bands when I was a kid. I was with YZ, who's a legend, and Poor Righteous Teachers, all those bands. Like I was like their DJ, you know, when I was a kid, and and it's like it really like I had like these cool DJ names, you know. I'm like I, I laugh because my dad is Jewish, but my mom's Puerto Rican, so I'm the only Puerto Rican Jew in country music. <laughs> <laughs> And he started DJing when he was like 10. So yeah. this is nothing new. Yeah. I've been doing it my whole life. So it's like, and and the thing was, is that a lot of the gigs I got hired, not because I am, you know, a better mixer or scratch or anybody. A lot of it was just because of my voice. Because I had a good voice on a microphone. I was confident. I was funny. I was witty. I could fire stuff off, you know, without even thinking about it. And that that led into me hosting festivals and hosting, you know, I, after this one, you know, I go out and I do a cruise ship, you know, in a couple of weeks. And so I'm on a cruise with a bunch of artists out there and, and, uh, and I kind of like doing it better because it's like, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, so it's a combination of not, not just playing music, but there's comedy involved too, which I like doing, you know, so it's a good time, you know, I, 
hosting this festival. That's how I ended up at this festival. Would you say you have like a DJ voice compared to your regular voice? No, I don't know. You guys heard me talk. So, I mean, it's pretty same. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. I guess the thing that I think you're great at is just being able to walk up on stage on a whim and know exactly who's coming up next, get the crowd going. You'll say the right information, but not just rattle it off like a robot. You right. Know, you put a little something behind it. Right. So. <laughs> Although last night. I want to leave with this story, that story out. Oh, dude, I really want to put it in, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about salami. <laughs> yeah. Summer sausage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Joe's favorite. <laughs> Cowboy yeah. Joe. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Hey, yeah, let's skip. Let's move right along. <laughs> let's go right past that one. The hosts here were making some fresh sausage before we got started, so they're kind enough to share guys. some with us. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Uh, yeah, this is this is Midwest as it gets, North Dakota as it gets, right here. Salami so. and on the table, Crown Royal on the table. What else do you want? We got you the they're, Crown Royal. They're pouring some. Uh, Orange juice over there out of an Everclear bottle. Well, <laughs> that, that could be dangerous. It's, it's about to get real fun, apparently. <laughs> it's about to get real, boys. I'm glad there's no stairs around here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm safe. No, you'll find some. <laughs> so we're sitting here eating summer sausage. Uh, DJ Do, would you consider yourself a self-proclaimed foodie? Um, Thank you. I mean, have you seen my belly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I did see I like on eat. Your, your Instagram story. You said uh, North Dakota has better Mexican food than Tucson, Arizona. I have to be honest. What now, we ate today was really good. It was amazing. Watford City had this place, and I can't even tell you the name of the place. It was tequila and... I got it. Hold I, on. Yeah. So shout out to them because they had some fantastic food. And this is these are from two guys from Tucson, Arizona that live 45 minutes from the border. Yeah. You know. Slow ride tequila cocina and not to be confused with cochina, which means dirty girl in Spanish. Oh, yeah. We found that yeah. out, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We found out. Dirty we, girl tequila. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Julia Cole's guitar player uh, corrected us real yeah. quick. Alejandro. <laughs> Alejandro. Wait, you're Puerto Rican? Don't you speak a little Spanish? No. <laughs> no. I don't know nothing. The only, the only I, thing, I can count to eight. Trust me, I'm more white than white people. Yeah, the, the only Puerto Rican that he knows is what his mom calls him when she's mad at him. So. Yeah. He throws the shoe at me. Wait, so so our host here just gave us some shots of something. Yeah. I believe it's a, probably a cream. I don't know what this is. Yeah, but, Well, yeah. we're about to find out. Yeah. What's it called? Orange cream Oh, cream oh, no. moonshine. Cheers, cheers boys. Cheers. Oh, cheers, guys. Salute. Mm-mm. Oh, wow. That it, was delicious. Yeah, it tastes like breakfast. Mm. Yep. Oh, Very man, tasty. that was good. Yeah. That, that was good. I think, I think yeah. that could get us in a lot of trouble real quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I've had, like, people that I've known try to become DJs, and I don't think they realize how much work it is. They think that they can go up there and hit a couple buttons and, you know, because they're failed musicians. Like, I play every instrument, so I play keyboards, I play guitar, I play whatever. And I'll tell you what, though. DJing and doing it at a high level, you have to be prepared because you're not going to get a lot of sleep. You're going to be moving around. Everything you do is scrutinized. And, and playing music is just one, you know, 25% of the whole situation. You know, I literally don't sleep. 
Like I don't sleep and, and it's, you know, and then the DJs that want to like drink and they want to party it up and then, you know, kind of fist pump in the air. Those guys, you know, they don't last that long because it's, it's a lifestyle that you cannot keep up. Avicii took himself out. He could, he, yep. it was a, it was, you know, exhaustion and depression. And like, I get to pray. We sit in hotel rooms depressed all the time and we're, you know, we, we're our own self critics. And so we, we go back to the room and we're like, I, suck tonight and you know and we laugh about something that might have happened on stage and it's never the same and people think oh it's just you know now and i'll and i'll admit that i'll be the first i'll, I'll say it right on the line that there's djs out there that pre-program their whole set they have engineers in the studio that actually mix the whole thing for them and they just show up on stage and fist bump and that's it you know but i've never done that i always play live and if i screw up i screw up i don't care you know, but at least it's authentic and it's real. And I think I've got respect from all the, if I play with all these other musicians, like the Jason Aldeans of the world, and they respect that, you know, those kind of guys too, because they know we're not faking it. We're just there doing it live, just like there. If they mess up a chord on the guitar and we mess up a mix, you know, or we say something dumb on the microphone, that's, we did it. It's live. It's live. Whoops. Whoops. It happened last night. Not, by pur- not on purpose, but it happened, you know. Well, is it is it nice that like because I've seen it and I've been a part of it that you like can command a crowd and that has to be one of the best feelings in the world. It's an amazing feelings and not everybody can do it and it does take experience. People, there's a reason why DJs are some DJs are paid a lot of money like myself and there's some you know a, a decent amount of money <laughs> and then there's some DJs that you know that are working for 150 bucks you know and there's a reason because experience does count and and being able the hardest thing is feeling out the crowd. Because it's not like I have a set list. It's not like I'm Thomas Rhett and I'm just gonna play my hits and walk off stage and everybody knows what they're gonna kinda what they're gonna get. With me, they don't know what they're gonna get. It's gonna be different every night because I don't know what I'm gonna give them yet. I don't have anything planned because I don't know who's gonna be in there. Tonight I could have a, a room full of, you know, old people. You know, and then tomorrow I could have a room full of young people. And then it, I just don't know. And so I, I have to feel it out. And you have to go with your experience of kind of what's going to happen and what's going to make a party happen. And you have to create it yourself. You can't just say, all right, this is how I'm planning it. This is what I'm going to do. The party's going to happen no matter what. It doesn't work that way. I don't know. I can't even tell you. I can't tell you what's going to happen tonight. To be quite frank with you, I can't tell you what's going to happen after this cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Or the second or third. Yeah. <laughs> you wild DJ. It's just the second. Yeah. <laughs> third, actually. Yeah, there you go. Well, fourth if you count the breakfast. <laughs> the fifth, too. Yeah. And then also <laughs> nah, not really. Just joking. Hey, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's judging from, like, festivals, too. It's kind of hard, too, because festivals, not everyone that goes to a country music festival might even like country music. They go there for everything else besides the concert besides actual music yeah and so you can get people when you play journey when you play honestly like any country music you can just kind of find common ground with fourteen thousand people which i find and not every festival is the same like my first festival was country thunder yeah with country thunder in arizona it started out i was playing a tent party and about first night there was maybe 50 people in there and by night four, the last night of the festival, there was probably 2,000 people in this thing. I mean, we built this thing out of nothing. And then they had me doing all the rest of the festivals at all these other parties. And like, and then they bring more sound and more lighting. And it turned into a big EDM show by the, by the time the thing was over. And, you know, but that also comes with, you know, you, you're keeping the people on the grounds awake, and, you know, all night. You're doing this. And, and I don't know. So there's a lot of, all festivals are not the same. Like, I personally, 
I'm not, I'll be straight up, I'm not a fan of doing the Country Thunder Festivals anymore because it turned into something that's not music orientated anymore. And it's more people are just going there to, you know, to get muddy, dirty, and get drunk, and, you know, which just sounds fun too, but like it's not music orientated. Where ND Country Fest, I feel like, is a lot more music orientated. And the art is like people really, you know, I mean, in North Dakota, let's be honest. I mean, you only get summer for like a couple of weeks. So they're, they're, they're coming out to have a good time and, and they want to hear some do, good it rains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they want to hear some good music, you know? Yeah. And so, so I don't know, like, you know, I love the guys at country thunder. I'm very good friends with them, but it's just, it got to the point where like it got bigger than what it was supposed to be, which is great for the owners because they're making all kinds of money on these things now. But you know, as far as an artist, I'm like, yeah, people are just there to just get wasted. You know, yeah. I mean, he goes, <laughs> you know, so that's why he goes. Just a casual shot fired at John Paul. Across the bow. John Paul's like the mayor of Country Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> well, with the amount of people that go to Country Thunder, if you were the mayor of it, you'd be like the second most powerful person in Arizona. Hey, no, yeah. No. yeah, his RVs right behind the stage and everything and backstage entrance and. Yeah, 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 we 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 do have a good time, but I definitely don't hit it as hard as I used to, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, Which yeah, is yeah. shocking. If if you don't hit it as hard as you used to, <laughs> and, and this is how you go now, I wonder how it was used to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've only talked about him flying down the stairs on one day this weekend. We've been out for five, so yeah, it's exactly. not too bad. Twenty odds are not bad. The odds are in his favor. That's true. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about all these different roles you have, you know, with clubs and festivals, whatever it may be. I heard you talking yesterday about kind of being a sound engineer on the fly at some clubs you play at they have the wooden floors the metal ceilings the tvs everywhere how do you deal with all these different you know attributes sound engineering for me is and this is probably boring but this this is when you turn into a nerd and and it's definitely something that that is an art form too and sound to get sound and and finding frequencies and taking them out of the room and and making people sound kind of cohesive in rooms that maybe not necessarily, you know, there's room, there's, there's reasons why there's recording studios and you go into a recording studio and you can see they have baffling stuffs all over the walls and they have, you know, curtains hanging and this and that. That's just the, the dead in the room, you know, and um, in my club, it's, you know, at Whiskey Roads, it's a challenge because everything's metal or hardwood and flat surfaces, the worst possible scenario. But there's ways that you could kind of, you know, tweak stuff. Like, I think the engineers that have been on this, your town tour, have been fantastic. Like, they, we've worked a couple rooms that will be challenging, and they've made it sound pretty decent for the rooms that, that we've had. So, it's not, you know, no matter how much you spend on sound and equipment or whatever, you can never, ever, ever fully do it without some kind of acoustic treatment to the room. And I find that challenge every night. So, sound engineering is something I love doing. So... Well, it's funny, uh, just kind of thought thought of this as you were saying that, you know, we started the podcast, we're coming up on about two years now, so we have to learn on the fly. I mean, let's be honest with you, Matt and I didn't have a whole lot of experience with mm-hmm. sound before, so we we're figuring it out. Our very first episode ever, DJ Do, we were in a basement room surrounded by a coffee table, sitting around a coffee table with the one mic in between us. Right. The sound was so bad. It sounded it like we were ridiculous. recording in an airplane hangar. <laughs> And you notice the difference, and people listening will notice the difference. Yeah. Well, and then I mean, we had a we had a vision, I guess, of what we wanted for a sound as a podcast. You know, nice, cre- clean, and crisp. 
I mean, today we're in a different venue, and it's just nice to change it up. But right. you know, could have a little more condensed. You know, but what can you do? We're not in the studio. We're on the road. You have to constantly adjust on the fly. Right. So Matt got a, a new house, and he's kind enough to lend us a bedroom to convert into a studio. Right. Right. So we got a bunch of those sound panels, and we were going to kind of soundproof it. So I decided I'm going to tape them to the wall, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, here we go. Matt goes in the studio the next morning, and all, like, 45 of them that I took to tape up on the wall fell off, off the, the wall. ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a reason the show is called No Brains, No Headache. Like, <laughs> like the, some of the shit that, like, mainly me that I do. That you know those little drywall nails? Use those and just hang them on them. That's yeah. basically what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's what we ended up doing. I said, but, Matt, whenever you sell this house, if ever... We'll just, you know, do some repairs and a paint job. We'll be good. Well, I was thinking about just driving up that room and sell it as a four-bedroom. <laughs> if you're still having problems in that room, I have a trick for you. Oh, we're good now. Okay, good. I was ready to say find a cushiony couch or a little chair and throw it in each corner of the room because that's where the bass buildup happens. That's where the reverb is happening. Well, the only thing we have to worry about for sound is if Matt's roommate is blaring Avril Lavigne in his post-work <laughs> shower every day. He does love Florida, Florida Georgia Line, too. It's just like... It's like Avril Lavigne, Florida Georgia Line all night. Yeah. <laughs> the FGL guys will be happy. I know yeah. those guys. They'll be happy to hear that. So. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. Let's talk about all these you know, big artists that you've worked with. Like, Who's some of your favorites that you've worked with over the years? Well, the one that I'm probably... Known for the most, but not known for the most, is probably Jason Aldean. And because I, so DJ Silver, who is a dear friend of mine, and he's actually kind of my pseudo agent. Like he helps me get some bookings too, and just a most amazing guy ever. And he, one year for two tours, actually, he went and he did a, a run with Brad Paisley for two tours. And so they had asked me if I would kind of fill in for DJ Silver. And let me tell you something. When you are so attached to Jason Aldean like DJ Silver is, it's tough for somebody else to come in there and try to, you know, make friends because Aldean, they literally call it the Aldean Army. And that Aldean Army out there was like not having a new guy on the tour. They just were not having, no matter what I did, no matter how much I reached out to them, there was a few out there that didn't have any. And by the end of it, by the second, the end of the second tour, you know, I had, you know, they understood the situation because they had thought that they just had fired DJ Silver and they threw me on it. So they were like, whoa, DJ Silver's Jason's best friend. Screw you, you know. And I was like, no, they didn't fire him. And they just wanted to move him to, to open his, to open his, you know, repertoire up a little bit to go out with another artist. That's how it was, you know. And, and, and they asked who wouldn't say yes to go on something like that, you know. I mean, they're saying you're, you're going on tour with Florida Georgia Line, Jason Aldean, Miranda Lambert, and Tyler Farr all on the same tour. You know, it was the biggest tour in North America at the time. So I did it, you know, and, but at the same time, I was going through a divorce at the time, which is a horrible situation. And so it was, it was a rough time for me because I was essentially had people in the front row giving me a middle finger every night because they wanted DJ Silver there. At the same time, I'm getting off stage. I'm going through a divorce and going back and forth with my wife or crying. And we, you know, we didn't know what to do. And it was just a horrible situation. I was in a hotel room, like crying and like really upset, like every night, like it was horrible, you know. But it also was, I learned more from Jason than I think I've learned on any, by any other artist because he's, he said, you know what, no matter what, whether there's five people in that arena or there's 50,000, you go in there and you just own that stage. And he sat down, it took him about a couple of weeks for him to even sit down and eat with me. You know, but after he did, him and his wife, who's his wife now, Brittany, would sit down with me and they were, they were so genuine and so nice to me and, you know, and they understood the situation I was into and, and it, it wasn't an easy situation, but I learned so much from that tour. It was like amazing, you know, 
you know, but I've worked with other artists that were not so, you know, warm. I should say, and yeah. here's how I won't say their names in case I have to work with them again one day. But <laughs> Smart. <laughs> well, yeah, well, but you, but you do have to talk about what was it? Second night on tour with Jason, which what you did, uh, all oh, your yeah. hopping around on stage and all. Yeah, that. so they were like own this stage. It was the first night, so my manager's like, "Listen, you go out there. I know that these people they're not gonna, they're not you're gonna have to earn their respect. You're gonna have to go out there and you're gonna have to do whatever." So literally, I was like two songs into my first night. Moline, Illinois, the home of the John Deere tractor <laughs> in an arena. First time I ever played an arena. I, I was playing a dive bar at the Cow Pony in Tucson, Arizona the night before this, <laughs> like literally playing a dive bar. And now I'm playing in my first arena. And I said, I'm going in there. Guns blazing. And I go in there and I, I had laceless Converse on like Chucks. And I jumped up and I came back down and broke my ankle right on stage. What? First song out. <laughs> I broke my ankle. I couldn't. The pain was so excruciating that my face, I finished my set. I, I went back behind the DJ. I hobbled behind the DJ booth, finished my set, and literally they had to carry me off stage that night, and I ended up in the hospital that night. First night out. I said, oh, well, career's over day one, you know? And uh, and that literally happened. Like, they had to cut my shoe off for me because they cut my, sw- my whole foot swelled up. Like, I look like Shrek. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. Dude. I was night one, and it took about two months for it to heal. Like literally, I was hopping around that whole time. So that was night one of that tour. So that was good. And then it was great. Then I ended up after Jason Aldean. The day after I got done with Jason Aldean, after two tours with him, they said, "Hey, we want you to go out with Love and Theft, who's an amazing band, really nice guys, and you know, and they're like practical jokers and stuff like that." So day one, I was here. I am the first day of the tour. In my bunk, they go, oh, this is your new tour bus. Here's your bunk. In my bunk, they put a big rubber fist in there. <laughs> <laughs> like a Hulk hand? No. No. No, from an adult shop. <laughs> and it was autographed, and they go, welcome to the tour. From the Mandan bookstore? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm like, well, that's a big change from the Jason Aldean tour. <laughs> <laughs> so, Did you keep it, though? <laughs> well... <laughs> I didn't realize what it was for, and what, what it said, well, I knew what it was for, but, but, but what they did is everybody that was on this tour autographed it, and we all autographed the fist, and, and we passed it on to the next people that were coming onto this bus, because they, they rented the yeah. bus, they didn't own the bus, so we just left it there for the next group to come on, and we put it right there on the table in the front of a big fist. I mean, if that fist is floating around there, it's probably worth a good chunk of money. Uh-huh. Especially with all those autographs on it. Yeah, it's, it's out there somewhere. Watch, you're gonna, like, or is it in there down. somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's either out there somewhere or in there somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, five years down the too road. Too soon? Yeah. <laughs> no, never too soon. <laughs> five years down the road, you're going to hop on a tour bus and that fist is going to be on there. Still there. Hundreds of <laughs> hundreds of signatures. Yeah. Oh. That was the funny. They were such nice guys. I'm still friends with them to this day. And, you know, most of these artists that I'm out with, you know, at one point or another, we see each other at the award shows or in Nashville and we run into each other and we still have a chuckle and a laugh. You know, Julia is one of them. I've known yeah. Julia for, um, Julia Culver. I was almost 10 years now, like eight years, seven years, something like that. Like me and Julia. Let's been talk friends. about that real quick. She's okay. going to be on an episode shortly after this. How uh-huh. did you meet Julia? Julia, we met. So first of all, Julia's agent, Blake McDaniels, who's one of the 
greatest guys in the world. He is, um, he works at CAA where Julie is a client. I was also a client at CAA and I was represented by a guy named Jim Butler. Jim Butler was, he's no longer with the company, but great guy, but he, he ended up leaving the business totally. And Julia was one of his clients, I believe, and, and kind of introduced us at the time. And she wanted to be like this, this country artist that had a little bump, you know, a little fun, you know, a little kind of crossover pop thing, amazing songwriter, whatever. So we just started kind of working together and doing some stuff. I got her book. I called Blake cause I knew her agent and they needed somebody to fill in in a slot at a huge festival in, in Wisconsin called country fest. And, and big festival and they had sam hunt kenny chesney like all the big names around us luke combs was like literally like the opener back then (laughs) yeah crazy you know crazy lineup and so i said hey i know this girl julia nashville she's fantastic man the girl can sing her but confidence beautiful girl sweet as can be sure enough they hired her and then you know kind of started and then then at my show after i did this tent party kind of like country thunder she jumped up on stage i had her tracks already she sent me her tracks i'm playing her tracks she brought up her guitar started playing with me so we had a dj kind of thing going with her and it it was awesome so so we've been friends ever since so so when i found out that she was on the year town tour and doing the festival itself it was like oh god thank god she's like family to me she's like a little sister to me a big sister to me because she's a lot taller to me. <laughs> <laughs> Most everybody's taller than you. Yeah, and I I'm not just saying much. Yeah. <laughs> you might you might have me beat. I'm like five six on well, a good day. Hey, no, don't worry. I'm growing. I'm growing an inch with every sip. I'll be a big man by the time I get out of here. Well, the end, ends the night at about six four. Yeah, that's awesome yeah. that we have all these mutual friends with each other. And the last couple of days, I've been driving with you and John Paul, and then we also have Julia and Alejandro in the car. We've been having a blast, man. Oh, we've had a blast. We pulled over into Badlands today just to fly a drone around and take some crazy footage there. And then, and you know who's been the biggest surprise, who I find so cool? David Lee Murphy. Yeah. Oh, my God, he's so cool. Just like, the, just the nicest guy. I thought you were going to say me. But <laughs> no, no, I already knew you were cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we met you last year. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah. no, he, he has been amazing, just down to earth, just a kind-hearted guy, funny. Oh, my goodness. He's going to finish the song I started? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If that could you go on, love right? me. Yeah, I'm going to finish it. Uh, yeah. Well, we yeah. walked in the hotel uh, lobby, and then, like, he just, like, walks in, like, wearing, like, sweatpants. He's like, I'm just finishing my workout. And we're, like, coming home from the bar, just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's, just, a, he's a pro. Yeah. yeah, just a nice guy, man. Just Yeah. Is there anyone that you've been like starstruck by? Um, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. So the night that I got discovered, it was kind of a big deal because the, the first discovery of me, I was DJing a country thunder in Wisconsin though. And I did, I did the temp parties in, in Arizona. Lights, yeah. yeah. And, and they, they said, listen, we want you to do exactly what you did in Arizona. We want you to do it again in Wisconsin. So I did it. And in the back of the room, I get it. So I'm on this huge stage by myself, DJing, screens and everything. I mean, I'm rocking. There's uh, thousands of people out here, right? This is after, it's an after party, thousands of people. And I'm just ripping it up. I mean, they brought in the biggest sound system. I mean, it was a full EDM show and I'm by myself there. And so in the back of the room, there's these people out in the back and everybody's kind of like, whatever. And so I get a tap on my shoulder and it's this guy. He says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm uh, Jason Aldean's tour manager and um, he's in the back of the room right now and uh, he wants to come on stage right now with you. I've never met you. This is before I've met Jason. And I was like, I was like well, hell yeah. he was headlining. The fight. He was a headliner that night. And Luke Bryan was his opener. So who else was in the back of the room? Luke Bryan. 
So I don't know if you know Texas music at all, but Wade Bowen was another artist. So it was Stormy Warren from Sirius XM The Highway, Luke Bryan, Jason Aldean, Big and Rich were there also. They show up on stage all at the time. So here, I still have pictures of this. I'm DJing on stage with these guys surrounding me. Luke Bryan, they're, they're having a blast. Luke Bryan's sitting there trying to scratch on my turntables. <laughs> he grabbed my headphones and started with headphones. And then that was the year that he kind of botched up the national anthem at the, uh, at the playoff games. And so he says, I'm going to redo it right now. He goes, give me your microphone. So I literally gave him my mic. I gave him my microphone and, uh, and he literally had me stop the music and he did the whole national anthem all because I'm going to redeem myself right now. And he did the national anthem and everybody went nuts. And then I came out of it. I did like dirt road anthem and Al Dean was like singing along. It was just the most amazing thing. And, and that was the first night, like I felt something just happened. So literally I got signed to Nashville with CAA, the same agency that, that Julia's with the next day that Stormy Warren from Sirius XM called me up because listen, you're going to get a call from a man named Rod Essick. Answer that call. And literally, I was on a plane. I think that the festival ended like a day and a half later. Two days later, on Monday, I was already headed to Nashville, and they signed me right there. That fast. I was. It was in People Magazine. They wrote me up, and people, after party, Country Thunder, Jason Aldean, hops on stage, DJ, and I'm in the picture with I'm it's insane insanity. Now, after I got signed, I didn't do anything for about eight months. I went back home and had to deal with my wife. But... um but yeah, it was it was just such an amazing moment, and that and that was probably a moment. And I, I got to meet Danica Patrick, and um, and because I do Bristol Motor Speedway too, like I I would do the races or I did them before pre pandemic, and uh, Danica Patrick and uh, Peyton Manning were there, and they were sitting there at the bar with us, and literally like just hanging out and like you know not drinking or anything, but they were you know she was racing that day. It was one of her last races I think at Bristol. And I was kind of, I was a little starstruck in there. And so, and I got to announce Danica Patrick as she came out with Michael Buffer, the let's get ready to rumble guy. So me and him were going back and forth doing the announcements, you know, Danica, and the number 32 car, you know, and she came up and she literally smacked me right on the butt as she walked out. Was it a good one? A good one. <laughs> and I was, and it's, I was it's still warm. And I was not, and I was not saying anything. And I was just like, all right. Oh God, if I was around Danica Patrick, I can yeah. informulate words. <laughs> all right, it was just like, it was like, it was like, hey, thanks. You know, it was just cool. And I was just like, oh my God. I felt I was like so privileged. I was like, oh my God, that was the craziest thing ever. But to be, but honest about that question, you know, do and I have talked about this quite a few times. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's been doing this so long that it's. It's like second hat to him, so to speak, and it's not it's not that he's not starstruck. He's impressed with a lot of these people, but he's more impressed with how the artists interact with the fans and interact with other people and that kind of stuff that I see kind of him light up a little bit more. And it's not so much starstruck, it's just he gets impressed with their personalities more yeah. than more than starstruck, you know. I, so I get starstruck. All the years that I've known him, he's he's just been Straight and narrow, and and everybody puts a pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. And uh, you know, him and I have had multiple conversations about that topic. Exactly. We were, we were kind of just saying last night we we saw this guy's shirt, and and it said, you know, or you know, die with memories, not dreams. You know, and that's how we kind of live our life. So you know, we had a lot of, we've done a lot, man. He's been with me for a lot of these ventures, and 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 we've had some fun out there, and we're still <laughs> doing it at our age, and you know, and it's. It's, a, it's been an amazing experience. And I really do find that the stars in my life are the ones that are humble 
and just wonderful to be around. I want to be around. I've trust me. I've been around some big stars, and so you know, I've been Blake Shelton, all these guys. It's just amazing people, you know. And then there's just some people that I don't care how big of a star you are. I just don't want to be around you again. Yeah, just don't you know? And there's some people, and you could be. You know, you could be just some veteran sitting at a bar at the corner of the bar. You know, we're both veterans. And so, you know, we could be sitting at the corner of the bar and we, we'll sit there and talk to him for hours and hours and hours. And to me, he's a star. My dad's a star. You know what I mean? Like these, some people that just starstruck is, is a different word for me because it's not it's not the same for me as it is for other people. Yeah. No. Do you. Oh, God. <laughs> question. I was just I'm glad you brought up that you were in the air. On that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> no, I'm glad you brought up that you're in the Air Force because, uh, you know, the reason we had John Paul on, or at least one of the reasons, besides being a great friend of the show and just a good person overall, was it was Veterans Day. You know, we like to have a veteran on. At that time, he said you were in the Chair Force. I didn't even know. <laughs> He's still mad at me about I that. I didn't even by the know way. that you were. <laughs> I didn't even know that you were a U.S. military member. So first of all, thanks for your service, you. man. When did you go into the Air Force? I went. I joined in 1988, believe it or not, and uh, right out of high school, and uh, sent me to, to school and everything, and and end up flying, man. End up flying uh, big air refueling tankers. By the time I was said and done, man. So I ended up doing ten years, you know. And you did some of it in reserved, and then when Desert Storm happened, then I ended up going full time active duty, you know, and went back in, you know, enlisted. Went to school, came back, started flying, you know, and it was just an amazing experience. And I, you know, 10 years, I mean, I got out right before I came to Arizona full time. You know, I was stationed at McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey and uh, air refueling was my game. And I, and I loved it, you know, and it's just I, I tell John Paul all the time, like the military to me was playing music. I play arenas and stadiums. That's not the best time of my life. My best time of my life I ever had was in the military. And I loved it. And still to this day, it was still the greatest honor that I could ever ever think of no matter what i've done in my career in my life that was still the greatest time of my life and the people i met i wish that we had facebook and all that back then because i wish i could have kept in contact with a lot of these guys yeah it's tough you know. it's, just, it's tough to find these guys now and it's you know and sometimes you don't even know their like their first name you know you just knew what their last name was on the thing and then you know and i've had crew members on these air crews and i've slept in tents in saudi arabia with these guys and you know and and traveled to to every country i've been to every damn country like i i was already traveling and i've already seen the world 10 times over even before i started touring you know so touring man number i don't i'm weird like i don't like leaving my couch at home like i said you, <laughs> i like being in my house They're like you, you must like going to all these places like no not really i like being on my couch at home i was like i don't well, like I mean, going anywhere <laughs> i mean we do, we do we do visit the office every once in a while which is our yeah. local or local dive we bar. do have a local dive bar at home the, the cow point i'll say it we'll give him a plug but uh jay healy who's the owner of that place has been a dear friend of ours for about almost 30 years now too so he's from boston and you know it the second you meet him he's from boston he's the, the accent and yeah, he's, he's never lost that accent there's there's no r in his alphabet yeah <laughs> the car and the cop and the, yeah like, so so uh yeah so that's our kind of that's our like secret I, well i should say it's really not a secret no, that's our hangout in tucson yeah, you know world famous cow, cow yeah. pony, so. now my my bar whiskey roads is definitely the coolest bar but i also well can i say this word i won't shit where i eat so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that place feeds me. I can't get too crazy there, you know. Yeah, I let no, everybody else get crazy, but I don't get crazy there. You know, and, and I know you guys got a lot of listeners all over the country, but it, if you're ever in Tucson, those are definitely two establishments you want to go visit because they've done an amazing job at Whiskey Roads building that club and, 
and uh, Fernando Gomez and you know and Josh out there and Greg the, the partners over there they they literally gave me a blank check and they said let's have at it man and they you know they, they Fernando is is one of the main partners there and he he he's like I want perfection and I don't care how I get it and I don't care what I have to pay for it and I'm gonna I want perfect and he did and he and he built this amazing establishment that and no one says we would ever we opened another one a couple you know last two two years ago and we outgrew it already and now we're already in a building three times the size because we it was not big enough for us and that was a 400 person venue you know and now we got this one that's about a thousand person venue and i can't even believe that like through the pandemic we did this yep you and, know and every time i've been there it's been literally slam packed so i i can't think of a smarter thing to do like when the pandemic hit people were like panicking but it's just like why don't we close because no one can go to it and let's build something better for when it opens back up we and figured out a way to survive during the pandemic and now in arizona they wouldn't let us dance they wouldn't even let you get out of your table was first foot, of all they didn't even let loose. you they didn't even let you open it was footloose <laughs> no, <laughs> dancing. Was footloose. no dancing yeah. <laughs> i'm not joking man no crap man it was literally footloose you weren't allowed to dance you weren't allowed to go visit other people's tables it was like being in prison and you could only have what six people at your table six max? people at a time and then and this was even after we were already shut down for months and months and months where they didn't let anybody come in so like how are we going to survive and somehow we survived and i can't we i still look at fernando and and mike and josh and all the other managers there angel like the whole crew and we look at each other like how the heck did we make it we're still here and i just can't believe it you know and i'm indebted you know do i need that job at this point probably not you know but I feel so indebted to those guys and I love that place so much. And I, and I, I want to grow with the company because I want to have like seven of these in a couple of years, you know, like, you know, in 10 years from now, I hope we have a bunch of these and we're just a big corporate, you know, thing. And I'm on the ground floor of this beautiful corporation and I work with some amazing people and, you know, and that didn't know too much about country music either. You know, I was like, you know, they're linked to country music, you know, because they, they came from a restaurant background where they worked at the Ritz Carlton and they own another very successful sports bar. And, you know, and so, you know, I was like one of their links to country music. And then we brought in Mike, who's, uh, who's one of our managers also from in cahoots in San Diego. And that bar had been there forever. And he's old school cowboy. The guy looks like he's straight. Like he looks like what's that actor's name? With the mustache, he was at Roadhouse. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. That's what he looks like. And he talks like him. Yeah. He does. <laughs> like, it, like he just finished a pack of Paul Malls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. He's freaking great, dude. He's awesome. He's like, and he turned into like one of my, we, we, we've definitely not seen eye to eye. You know, I'm bumping. I want to get the party crazy, you know, but his job as a security man, you know, is to keep it, you know, kind of yeah. sane. So we kind of like battle a little bit, but at the end of the day, we're like brothers and, yeah, and no, being together. And he, he's a great guy, yeah. too. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. So it, every, every bar needs a Sam Elliott. Every bar no, needs a Sam Elliott. We got I mean, ours. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> they've got a they've got a really great team over there, yeah. and then and then uh, you know done a just an amazing job of building that club. So seriously, if you're ever out in Tucson, come on down. Let's do the podcast from there. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, let's do it. Well, one thing we were talking about before we got started was. Uh, you two were trying to figure out a tattoo artist yes. because you wanted to get live tattoos while recording. Uh, let's go through that. Let's break that down. Okay. Which, I which, even which already, I already mentioned it. Yeah. I it, mentioned it, it, it kind of. We, so, we saw a t-shirt last night at the concert, and uh, him and I kind of, we didn't realize it until we both read it and kind of looked at each other, but it said, uh, die, die with memories, not dreams. Yeah. And so... 
I mentioned it to do. I'm like, yeah, we need to get those tattoos, matching tattoos. And he doesn't have any. I am. I, yeah. I have some. And, so for me, it was nothing. But for and, him, it's like, and, I'll do it if you do it. <laughs> and Jordan, the first thing you said, no, they have to be matching ass tattoos. Well, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah, tell that's you a, right the first, now. The first thing I said was, which butt cheek? <laughs> yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Trust me. You couldn't pay a tattoo artist enough in the world to look at my ass. <laughs> <laughs> But if I found one to, to meet us at this winery, I would have done it right now. <laughs> God. By the way, we are at a winery tonight, which is going to, this could be interesting. Yeah, Fluffy Fields Winery. <laughs> this, and, you know, <laughs> him and I were talking about this last night. We're like, he asked me, he says, did you ever think at your age, at our age, sorry, both of us, that we would be in North Dakota going to a winery called Fluffy Fields to do a show. And to be honest with you, I that never crossed my mind, not one time. But I tell I, you. I thought it was called Fluffy Nuts all this time. <laughs> yeah, he could never remember the name. So he uh, calls I said Fluffy Nuts. nuts. Yeah. Well, like the butterfly effect that had to happen of Luke down in Arizona and Andy Country Fest starting, like, the thing, the dominoes that had to fall into place for you two to be here right now is insane. Well, Luke saw me playing at the Bird's Nest, which is yeah, the golf wait, tournament, the yeah, golf wait, tournament, the Phoenix, Phoenix Open, yep. which is huge. I mean, it, that's like the premier, one of the premier spots to play in the country. And now I've done it like eight, nine times, you know, and two days each time. So like 16 times I played this Bird's Nest. Everybody plays there. I mean, like this year I did it with Sam Hunt, uh, Thomas Rhett. Cole Swindell. Cole Swindell, Russell Dickerson, and Diplo. And Diplo. The DJ. Yeah, yeah Diplo. The DJ. Yeah, I had to open for a DJ. Yeah. The, and the five biggest DJs in the world, and here I am opening for him. You know, and I said, I held my own, though. I was pretty proud of myself. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, and, and I guess Luke saw me on stage one time. He goes, I just love that. Whatever you did there, I want you to do it there at my festival. Until we got rained on last year, and then <laughs> I lost my equipment and my computers. And yeah. else last year. I was a, we, we had Crystal with us, thank God, because Crystal was able to uh, to go fish gear out from, go to the local Best Buys and guitar centers yeah, or wherever yeah, she yeah. went. And got there the is gear. no local Best Buy in New Salem. She had to go to Bismarck. Yeah. She had to go into Bismarck. She literally got a runner, and God bless Crystal for doing that. So bringing her on the road has been instrumental in like keeping the whole party going because without her we probably would have we would crashed and burned that weekend for sure man yeah, Cause, yeah cause it, it was it was a rough one but we got through it yeah, did you did you play the waste management the year that snoop dog was there i did yeah so we were both there yeah. um we were the drunk ones Getting an IV on the side of a hill. I'm calling for the bartender. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Both of us are empty. Yeah. Yep. What kind of podcast is this when we don't have that Snoop Dogg <laughs> show? It was Snoop and Macklemore, maybe? No, was it Macklemore? It was, it was it sounds, something like that. We had Mac this year, too. Yeah. I mean, he. We didn't go to any of the concerts, but uh, that golf tournament That's is insane. on another level. So this year they did the 16th hole, which is like the loud hole. It's like the Coliseum, they call it. That Now they have a concert there this year, and I did the first one. This was the first year they had it, and I, we had Old Dominion and Thomas Rhett this year. We did the Coliseum, and it was so fun. I'm done. It's, a, it's an amazing event. You know, yeah, just, we, so we when we were down there, uh, we were with, a friend that his grandpa like had sponsored a box up there and they were leaving and gave us their wristbands and me 
And the friend I was with, who was very drunk at the time. <laughs> was this on the 16th hole? Yeah. In, and, in the and so we, so yeah. we get these wristbands. We go up there, and they're having lobster, prime rib. Oh, yeah. I'm wearing a flipping Vince Carter Raptors jersey. <laughs> and I'm like, I do not belong here. And and they were like, uh, you guys lost? Here's what Matt said. Gator don't play no shit. <laughs> and, oh, that's perfect. And, and I was like, Ooh. and I'm like, I'm. I'm pretty toasted, and I was the sober one, so I was like, "Okay, this is gonna go well." And so, we, like, walk into this this uh, booth or box seat, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, my my grandpa's uh, Steve." And they're like, "Oh, you can have our spots." And so I sat at the 16th hole on Saturday, um, and yeah, and just watched the last couple groups go through. <laughs> Did they? Uh Nobody said anything to you? No. Uh, a fun fact about the guy I was with, we lost him, um, and so we just went back to our place where we were staying. And So he's still buried on the 16th uh, hole? <laughs> no, he wandered to a Cadillac dealership that was like four miles away from it, and they let him charge his phone, and he showed back up. Do we got to get her going, yeah. John Paul? Yeah. Oh, whatever works. Yeah, we're well, good. Gotcha. Um, well, I, I don't know. All I really wanted to say was... Uh, yeah, one day we're going to have to get on, and we're going to have to drink a little more whiskey, and we're going to have to t- tell some of our stories. <laughs> oh, good Lord, yeah. We have some stories, man, that will definitely light this podcast up, I'll tell you, because we've done some crazy stuff over the years, and I'll tell you, man, how we're living, we, you know, we, we, we know that, that, you know, they're not going to put us at the top of the list for, <laughs> for a liver transplant. So, yeah, no doubt, yeah, right? so, they don't put DJs at the top of the list. <laughs> or, so, or Cowboys. So, so. Like, let's just have some fun, you know. And so we've not, but honestly, in all honesty, man, this guy, John Paul, has been the absolute a blessing to me. I mean, he's not only helped me on the road, but at home in my, my own house and doing stuff. And when I went through my divorce and taking care of my dog when I was on the road, I mean, you know, and he's just done so much for me over the years. And he's 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 a son to my family. You know, my mom and my dad, oh, they're he's another son. And you know, and, and it's awesome, you know, and, and to have him and even Crystal when she, you know, when I do the bigger festivals, when I'm having them on the road with me, it's like, I couldn't, I can't believe how I went and I had my career. I did my whole career by myself, flying by myself, doing everything by myself. I was so exhausted. I could not even function by the time I get done. When, when I get done with these things, I can't even do anything. And if I didn't have him or Crystal or both of them together, I wouldn't even know. Like I'd be all over the place, especially when you host a festival, when you're doing announcements and there's script changes midway through the thing. And there's, you know, so rain, rain delays, rain delays, having rain equipment getting buried. I mean, I, I don't even know how I would have ever done it before. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it, it makes it a lot easier on him to him not have to worry about you know, looking at where do I need to be? When, when do I need to be there? It makes it a lot easier for, you know, somebody on the side to say, Hey, you got five minutes. You got to be here. You got to do this. You got to do that. And, uh, cause listen, it's no secret that I like to yap and I, <laughs> and I he gets sidetracked really yeah. easy. Squirrel. Then I'll sit, I'll sit, I'll sit back. Yeah. Squirrel. <laughs> so yeah. So I'll start yapping it and he'll be like, Hey, you got two minutes to get on that stage. And I was like, ah, I got plenty of time. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah so, did, uh, he's like, he's like, I can poop in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can start the poop. That makes that, <laughs> make, that makes one I of us. Start, <laughs> I can start the process. Let's be honest. Here we go. <laughs> Whoa, that conversation went in that direction. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so last year at the festival, yeah. I was sitting up by DJ booth, you're on stage and you have a guitar. And I was like, why does he do have a guitar? And John Paul, like, he's really good at guitar. And I was like, what the hell is this guy not good at? Is there something you suck at? Marriage. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to know. Uh, <laughs> well, then we should keep this going. Come on, let's get another bottle. Let's go. <laughs> no braids, no commitment. <laughs> Oh Lord! Yeah. That's my head hitting the microphone. By the way, yeah. oh, yeah. it happens at least once, <laughs> once an episode. We have a microphone. I'm that guy. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, oh God, my so glasses funny. are fogging <laughs> up. <laughs> well, if we told that story about last night, that would uh, be. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're yeah, gonna no, stick no, away no, from no, that no, one. No, but no, that's, no, my no, gosh, no. that was funny. Let's, but, let's hope that doesn't make social media. It should not be on social media. I didn't know you could fly too, and then like I saw like an Instagram post or something you're just like flying around I'm yeah. like what the hell this guy's good at everything you know and I'm over I, here trying to you learn only get to one crack at life man you only get one crack at it so you might as well make it a good time you know because you really and, and that's why we love that shirt last night yeah make memories not dreams yeah you know, we, we make memories, memories. I don't have any dreams I did my dreams I already completed if I had one dream I wish I had a kid I wish I had a child so if there's any ladies out there <laughs> that wants to be a surrogate mo- surrogate mother then <laughs> but uh, I already suck at marriage so I told you that so don't ask for anything more than that but dude dude I am a father and I'm a grandfather and uh, <laughs> and it's amazing. I'm gonna, I'm you gonna, love those it, kids. Oh yes, I do. I yeah. do. My 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 kids are just the light of my life. To be honest with you, yeah. but uh, I. Y- <laughs> Yeah. You as a father, I don't know. I can't even take care <laughs> of a goldfish. <laughs> the goldfish died. I mean, the, uh, yeah. I have no. a kid myself. They say the exactly. best fathers are kids themselves. Yeah, 100%. We're both kids. Yeah. So. We're both kids. Well, we're, bo- I, we're both 12. <laughs> Jordan called me this morning, and I'm like laying on my couch, just like waiting to get going. And he goes, sandwich by you? My cat? Because you can just hear him just breathing into the phone. What's, what's yeah. your cat's name? Sandwich. 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 Wait, you called your cat Sandwich. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> I, okay. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> yeah, me either. Look, yeah. At that, look at that rascal. <laughs> Doesn't look like a, anything I want to eat. Yeah, showing a picture of Sandwich. Sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Sandwich. All right, well. <laughs> Okay, well, teach your own, I guess. Uh, well, I'll drink to that. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the friendship yeah. lasted as long as we could go. Yeah. <laughs> no, cheers, buddy. No. Cheers, guys. No, cheers. seriously, I, you know, thank meet, you for having us so much. Yeah. Meeting you guys. Honestly, cheers, guys. Thank, thank you. Cream thank you to the, to the folks at the man cave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, seriously, guys, I just wanted to say, uh, obviously, it's a pleasure having you on DJ Do. John Paul, thanks for being here again. Matt kind of touched on it earlier, all the dominoes that had to fall into place for you, you know, to get to where you're at today. I guess I just want to say I'm really glad that we crossed paths, not only you and I, but with the podcast with Matt and everybody, because you guys are so much fun. Last year after Indie Country Fest, I had like had a euphoric feeling where I should be exhausted after four or five days of staying up late, you know, working hard all day, drinking heavily, obviously, <laughs> but I wasn't. I wasn't because I yeah. had so much fun. I met so many people. I'm getting the same vibe from your town tour, so I just want to say thanks, and it's awesome to see your guys' friendship because Matt and I have known each other for about 25 years now. We're a lot younger. We haven't gone through the same stuff you guys have, but... You will. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you will. dumbass trips together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. keep hanging out with us. Well, <laughs> yeah. And that's just it, is, you know, we... 
we've had some tragedies in our lives, you know, grandparents dying, bad medical news, dogs dying, whatever the case may be, you know, he's always been there. He's my confidant with the podcast. Kind of same with you and John Paul with your approach to your your job as a DJ. So it's, it's really cool to see as a friendship. I'm glad you two friends have become friends with us too because I think us for a really good time together. Oh, oh absolutely. We, we'll be friends for life. Trust me, when you're friends with me and him, you're friends for life. Well, the rest of... Our lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much time we got left. Yeah, so, we do, yeah. We'll bring Crystal into I, the fold. I thought, I thought, I thought yeah. mine was over on Thursday night. So. Yeah. Crystal can tell you all the bad stuff that happens too. So, so we'll, we'll have to bring her. Maybe during the festival, she comes out for the festival. Yeah, we'll bring we'll, her we'll in. Just, for sure. Just get Crystal yeah. on for four hours talking about what John, Paul, and DJ do. Yeah, what, what is it really like <laughs> with might, these guys? You might need more than four hours. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a mini so, series. <laughs> on, on Friday of Country Fest, the whole day we will be recording. <laughs> JC and DU, the miniseries. <laughs> oh, Lord. But seriously, guys, thank you so much for coming on No Brains, No Headache Podcast. I appreciate it. Cheers, Cheers guys. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you, guys. I already drank. I don't know mine. what this stuff is. <laughs> I don't know what a drink is. Very good. All right, guys. Thank you. We always would like to welcome. Excuse me. <laughs> We always would like to thank our sponsors because they keep help keep the lights on. And what better way to say thank you uh, than in person? So we welcome one of our favorite sponsors to the studio to join us for a little chit-chat. You may know her as Bree from Northwest Realty Group, but we know her as a great friend. So Bree, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Bree, we're longtime friends, uh, but as recently, you know, a couple years back, you decided you're going to become a real estate agent, and now you're a real estate agent in what could be considered a charged-up market. What's it like right now there in the trenches? You know, so for me, I started when it was already crazy. Like, I started as soon as i mean rates got super low things were crazy COVID happened whatever blah 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 so i'm used to a super fast-paced crazy market like i guess i don't know what a slow time is yet like i haven't gone through like oh you know it's so you got thrown in the yeah. lines then from the yeah pretty much so it's been a great way to learn um and i mean i don't want it to slow down ever but you got to prepare yourself for that in the long run, but it's been it's been a crazy ride so far. That's for sure. But you're enjoying it. You're staying real busy. Yes. Uh, you know, probably just learning a bunch on the fly as you go. Yeah, and that's like a big part of it too. Is like you know you do real estate school for forty five hours or whatever it was at the time, and you don't learn anything of like what you actually need to know to get through a real estate transaction. Like it is <laughs> crazy. So yeah, I've been learning a lot. Um, it's been it's been really fun so far, and it's it sounds enjoyable. like a you know your traditional. If you were to go to college for a specific degree, and you get to your job the first day, and you're like, they didn't teach us any of this, right? A hundred percent, or like taxes in high school, like <laughs> yeah. oh, we don't we don't know how to do a tax return, like taxes you, you now. To, speak I know. For, speak for yourself. <laughs> I think they're impossible. Yeah, it's just one of those you got to learn as you go. Sometimes maybe not, but. I mean, you. So you came into the market. You're a younger person. Do you think that the like the barrier to entry being a young person in real estate? Did you find it harder, or what was your process? Because I know a lot of young people buy houses, right? But there's also that kind of stigmatism that this person's young; they don't know anything, right? And that's like a part of it too. So number one, um, 
it's scary getting into something new no matter how old you are but in a in a profession where a lot of i think the average realtor is like 55 or something like that so going in when you know people like don't want you around and whatever it's it's kind of tricky to get into but you just have to play it's smart and know what you're doing or at least pretend like you know what you're doing you know and like i want to break the stigma because a lot of people think of oh yeah let's just use my realtor who's an old stuffy guy or gal or whatever that you don't want to work with like i like i like to make it fun i like to make it personable and so i feel like I have the upper hand when it comes to that. And again, like millennials are buying homes, like it's a great time to do it. And I just feel like I'm somebody that everybody should go through, you yeah. know, because you make it fun and it's not some hoity-toity game that you have to play. Well, and it's it's fun too, like kind of growing up with you and then seeing the people that you help get houses now. And it's like, oh, it's like, oh, Bree, you had this connection with them in high school. Yes. Or it's like... Or if, even if it's a new person that you, like, bring in and it's like, I can help this person buy investment properties. But how do you, do you kind of play on those relationships or how, how do you, like, stockpile leads or how do you go around? Um, okay, I kind of do. And I, I don't want to sound like, oh, it's just handed to me. Like, I just know these people. But truthfully, a lot of it has been, oh, hey, like, I saw that you got your license. Let's whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I, I mean, I try to do my marketing as best as possible. And I feel like a lot of people think that it's um, some expensive game where you got to do commercials and whatever. Um, I think that just being a good person and being a reputable, pers reputable person gives you more than anything you know like oh this breeded this for me and you know they tell their cousins parents and whatever so i i think that's part of the game not all of it but i feel like a lot of that for me has been you know referrals and good I mean, words about me being said i mean the old adage of it's all about who you know could not be more true oh it's so true than in it's because you can make connections with literally anyone in Bismarck. Well, and especially Bismarck, yeah. yeah. If it were somewhere <laughs> yeah. else, maybe I wouldn't be as successful. Yeah, it's like, oh, Bismarck, but, yeah, Bismarck I Kai, like, class of 82, right. my cousin went there. Right. So I think... Uh, for buy, sure. Yeah, buy this house for me. And yeah, luckily I have made a lot of connections in smaller towns the last few years. So I would say probably 60% of my clients have been friends that I met in Elgin or New Salem or Wilton, you know, New so it's New Leipzig. Yes. <laughs> so it's, um, it's all about just being a people person. And that's like what I am more than anything is I can BS with anybody. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just easy for me, I think, to gain some clients that way. But well, I just wanted to say real quick that like, it's hard to put yourself out there. It's and that's so scary. That's what we preached, not only like to ourselves, but like all of our connections and relationships we've made through the podcast, you know, guests or mentors or whatever it may be. So, I mean, kudos to you. You're not getting all that stuff handed to you. Right. I mean, you had to do the work of going through your schooling, your education, get certified, you For know, sure. and make sure you know what you're doing, even <laughs> though everything you learned apparently does not yeah, apply. Just throw it out the window. <laughs> I mean, they could literally do a six-month college where you, like, shadow a realtor and right. go to classes like, this is what's actually going to happen. It's crazy. <laughs> it really is. Like, I'm just like, and I feel like my first few transactions, even my broker's like, okay, this has never happened to me, but... This is what you're going to have to do in this situation. And I mean, maybe for some people it is just like, oh, right out of the textbook. But I've had some ups and downs for sure. But that's what makes you a better realtor every day is like going through the hard and the not so fun 
Um, but then you know how to handle crappy situations when they're given to you. So, yeah, there's there's some of those transactions that like this came together too easy. Yeah, like we would. Yeah, okay, so, what's gonna happen? Someone's gonna, go, gonna die. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like uh, the guy filed for divorce at the closing table. Yeah, it's right. Like, they yeah. bought a car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've had yeah a couple easy, but if they're living in a van. I lost another one. I lost another one of the Sprinter van industry. Yeah. Oh my There's gosh. just a shanty of vans down by the river that is just crippling the real it's, estate market. Yeah, I was so. actually talking about that the other day. If you take out a loan for a Sprinter van with full intentions of living in it. Is that not a mortgage? I mean, it has, <laughs> it's, it's you. You explain it to yeah. me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you? That's that's a good question. Yeah, we'll have to get a lender on here next. <laughs> yeah. What is we'll have a mortgage? Talk to me like I'm four. It has to be stuck like, to the Never ground. mind. Talk to me like I'm two. <laughs> <laughs> explain this to me yeah. like I'm five. <laughs> exactly. But so. In marketing a house uh, with, like, how it is now, um, back in the day, you'd see, like, basically if a magazine came out. Right. Or it'd be just, like, a listing. be like, four-bedroom, two-bath. There's no pictures. You have to go look at it. Right. Now, with the pictures that come out that, like, makes a space look so much bigger, do you find that harder? Because you go, you're like, this house looks great in pictures, <laughs> but you're like... I got to go show this person it and you got to kind of spin zone it to him, but you don't want to do something bad by your, right, your client. Right. So it is really <laughs> tricky. And this just happened to me the other day. We went and looked at a place and I mean, the pictures made it look pretty nice, you know, big, wide, wide angle, whatever. Lenses. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's crazy how much pictures can do, but then to try to be like, well, you know, there's still this and there's still that. Like, try to put on a happy face when, like, you know, everybody's like, oh, God, like, what am, what did we just get ourselves into? <laughs> so, and I mean, I don't know. You try to be as positive as you can, but at the same time, like, I'm never going to straight up be like, oh, this is great when everybody knows it's not a great situation or whatever. But it is, some photos are incredible. I'm like, dang, wow. I need to hire your photographer for my yeah, I had that. So when I was looking at houses, it was like right before shit just started to go through the roof. Yeah. And so I was like taking my time. I'm like, I really want to find the right one. Like, this is how I'm like, this house is like fairly inexpensive. It's in the neighborhood I want. And I went and looked at it. And like, it was a horror show. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was like one bathroom that looked nice on the pictures, but it was like you had to walk through this basement that was like oh. the scene of like the scene of like saw you blew it like the first movie it's just like there's like hooks hanging from the ceiling and oh i'm just like god. oh my god and then i get upstairs and the hardwood floor has a straight up speed bump in it <laughs> oh I was no like, i was like <laughs> <laughs> but i mean they don't I, that's why you don't photograph I, that or yeah, you don't take pictures or, of the oh, basement or whatever yeah, yeah it's and like it's it's hard to market but you want to do it is right by your clients right so it's, yeah almost right. finding that happy medium of and that's exactly what you try to do your best at sometimes there's just i mean you, you, i'm a really bad liar <laughs> so like <laughs> if i think something's terrible like you're gonna see it on my face i'll try to do my best but at the same time like i want to be as real with my clients as possible i don't want them to love something that i think that i know is bad like i can already see something's wrong with something i'll be like hey I know you love this, but like, I just want you to be concerned about this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I've actually had a few people that are like, wow, like you're the first realtor I've ever had that would actually be like, okay, I don't think this is good for you. Like, I don't just try to sell, sell, sell. 
you know, I want to make it beneficial for them in the long run, like no matter who they are. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's tough too, because, you know, you see people fall in love with something and it's like, oh, I don't want to crush their dreams, man. And some people won't listen to me and that's fine. When there is a house that you know there's going to be multiple offers on, like right away, how, what is, do you have any tricks or secrets of how you place a competitive bid? You know, um, I usually, I try to go in with something that I know is going to have a lot of offers. I always will do my homework beforehand, like, okay, actual market analysis, because you don't want to get into a situation where you offer more than asking price and, the house doesn't appraise for that much. Yeah. So I try, and I mean, it's kind of hard when you're on the fly too, but um, I try to go in with as good of an offer as my buyer is comfortable with. And a lot of people, like I've, I've had one where they were just like, okay, let's go in really strong at asking price and they, we'll just ask for half on closing costs. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> you know? like, you right. can only do yeah. so much, yeah. you know? So I just like... Do you really want this house? Yeah. It's not gonna, especially like in that time that houses were like, it was on the market for two hours and had 11 offers. Yeah. And it's just like people that come in and are like, that house was so cool. And they offer like asking price and like, yeah. And, right. and, and, and $9,000 in closing <laughs> yeah. costs. And it's like, it was the last place bid. And I, the realtor had to know it. I know. It's, I, yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, but you can only like, I can't be like, you should offer more. Cause it's not my money. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get sued for being yeah. like, Oh, you should do it this way. Yeah. But Okay. Here's an application. Go get a second job. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you got to do to make that work. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I, I mean, I had a client do like, Oh, let's just go 5,000 over asking. And there was like 15 offers. I'm like, you're not getting that and i mean it's it's hard too because if you don't know how they're financing like you can only go over so much you can't beat out a cash offer so it's just one of those things that like if it's not gonna work like you have to break it to them and be like hey let's just move on don't even try to waste your time with this we'll find something else you're gonna get your heart broken regardless because you're financing instead of paying cash so i if, don't know if something's on the market for a while is there like an unwritten rule of you won't submit an offer at like this low. So if it's like a $260,000 house, it's like only go like three or 5% below listing. You know, I really don't know the unwritten rule. Like I, and that, that's another thing that's been kind of a challenge for me is I started in such a crazy market where like all of my offers were asking price, if not more. So for me, I'm like, God, is it, is it wrong to, you know, do this? But I just, again, to do my homework see what the other comps are in the area. Like, okay, what is this house actually worth? Why is it still on the market? This is what we can offer and it won't be offensive. Yeah. I get that. I mean, cause it's like, you don't want to burn a bridge. Right. It's a, yeah. It's a, it's Nobody. A potential and, customer. Yeah. Guy. And you don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's a sticky situation that obviously you never want to be in, but just, I try to do the best as I can is like, okay, see what the actual value is there and go that route. Uh, how much do you hate for sale by owners? Um, you know, like... <laughs> I thought you were going to say, how much do you make annually before taxes? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't hate them. And I'm not the realtor that's going to go, like, 
pound on our door and be like, you should be listening to house with me. You know, like I am. That's, yeah. <laughs> if it was one of my friends that were doing it, I'd pound on their door and be like, you should be selling your house yeah. for me. But I mean, it is what it is. In some cases they can get away with selling their house for way too much in a neighborhood that like needs a comparable house to make one of my houses that's for sale able to appraise at that point. So I don't know. I mean, it's just a, I don't really have a super opinion on them, I guess. Well, they have a cool name, Fizbo. Fizbo, Fiz, yeah. Fizbo. And I was like, what the hell are these people talking <laughs> Fizbo? This one's a Fizbo. And it's like. like that a, was like one like of the first things yeah. I learned. Is that like a loan <laughs> or something? School. They have a Fizbo on their house? Uh, <laughs> nope. Just turns out I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you, Bree. Mm -hmm. uh, and thanks for being here, by the way. I appreciate that. Uh, what's the most exciting part about being a a real tour, a real estate agent. Oh my gosh. Um, seeing my clients offer get accepted is number one. And number two is closing and like going to their house, closing day to take pictures and seeing like the freaking joy in their eyes or their kids' eyes. And they're just like so happy to be there. Like it makes all the stress and everything so much or so worth it. It's you giving these people a gift basket. Oh, you know, I do okay, baby. I mean, you don't have to give away all your secrets, but like, what's you know, what's your gift basket like? Okay, say so, I buy a house, for, and then let's personalize it. Okay, I'm, I just bought a house through my favorite realtor, Bree. Yes, Northwest Realty Group. Uh, what are you putting in my gift basket? Okay, so it depends if you're buying you're buying a new house, right? A brand spent not any house. Okay, I, I am getting you number one, like either a gift card to. G Willikers or um, Captain Jack, something like that. Liquor it's gonna, store. It's going to be a thick gift card. Like, it's not no $20. You know, like, like I don't mess around. Like, you can but, hardly afford a whole case of beer. You got to. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. You just paid your closing costs or yeah. whatever. Hopefully, the seller yeah. paid them for Here, you. But here's either $5 way. $5 to Menards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Pick here's for something. half of a hammer. And, and, and also, you're going to walk around Menards because no one's going to goddamn help you. <laughs> So I usually, I mean, it's really dependent on the situation, but add snacks, add like a blanket. Um, I just had a buddy sell his place and I gave him like a few hundred bucks to the golf dome because it was the dead of winter and they just got those new simulators things. Shout out to the golf dome. Nice. Um, so yeah, uh, it's Very just, tasteful. it's dependent on the situation for sure. But are you generally lose. a good uh, gift giver? Did you say you're thoughtful and practical? I think gift I'm giver. thoughtful. I think that my gifts are amazing. Like that's another thing. I'm like I love giving presents. Like Christmas is like my favorite time to just like give, give, give. But also, don't get me wrong. I love getting my own gifts. But um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I'm a good gift giver the way it is. And like I love a good basket. You know, Matt, so it's usually Matt and like I would a love thing to be the judge of, of like, that Yeah, well, I should have brought a basket. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime you want. No, this is all about you, Bree. Uh, hey, you gotta give a good gift basket. I'd I say agree. that's a sign of a good, you know, a good agent out there who's yes. who's looking out for you. So good uh, gift basket giving key, and you have checked off that box. I have. I I would have to say so. I think it's pretty good. I don't have any other real estate questions, but I got, <laughs> oh, I got, God. I got a couple doozies for you. <laughs> oh, God. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, no. These are pretty easy. What was your first car? Oh, a 96 Honda Accord. 
And oh, you guys, that thing drove until it actually died. So, do we want like the whole story? If it quick story, if quick it ex- story. Yeah, if it exploded, hit me with it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> not with me. So I had it for like all through high school, whatever. Great car. Finally got something else that I wanted. Sold it to my brother's friend. My brother's friend took it to Arizona. It got stolen in Arizona. Classic. Yes, stolen. They found it in the desert like 40 miles away from where they were whatever got it back got it stolen again 40 miles the other way got it back the thing's still driving 200,000 plus miles they drive it all the way back up to north dakota they go back and move to linton or whatever it just died you guys like a year ago i'm not even kidding you and this was a 96 honda accord and it got stolen in arizona probably 10 years ago so that's how long Tw- stolen twice. <laughs> yes, it's not for twice, kids. two times. The, the fact that it was stolen twice. Yeah, I'd still drive that sucker if I could. I did love my uh, oh, eighty-nine man. Honda Accord. The, except the locks for, don't work too well. Yeah, mm. it pulled to the right. I had a weird bit. lock. <laughs> I had a weird lock. You could start it with Is a why it got stolen twice. Could I mean it was the, <laughs> that was the, the guy left his keys in it? And <laughs> yeah, it was running. Like, oh, you're not in North Dakota anymore. You can't just like, yeah, here's a. Couple bucks on the counter if you break into my house. Feel free to help yourself to anything in the pantry. Yeah, just There's some hot need. dish to warm it up with <laughs> leftovers. Oh my gosh. First, oh, first car. It's a good one. Worst job you've ever had. Oh gosh. What if you're like real estate? <laughs> yeah, for real estate. The worst. Um, oh my gosh. That is a hard question. Um, you, I remember you worked at. Uh, Red carpet. Oh, I love that job. I'm not. But that's that another. Worst, but. <laughs> I you could BS with people all day long there, and that's what I did. Um, Have you cleaned one car this week? Just talk to the guy <laughs> for like six hours. <laughs> no, that was a great job. Um, I think honestly. I can't even remember where, but any sort of serving job that I have, like being a waitress, was terrible. Terrible. It was never worth the. 40 bucks you made off of two tables like i just it wants to get out wants to walk around it wants some walking around money and it wants to buy some shoes you couldn't afford the shoes i couldn't afford the shoes (laughs) (laughs) but i had to make do with what worked so working here walking around with money it was the change you had on you at the time right and then if you left it in your car there's like a 30 percent chance and it was getting stolen (laughs) damn thieves uh brie you are currently engaged congratulations thank you i'm very happy for you as being a longtime friend of yours so congratulations on that one thing matt and i talked about and we talked about with you um you know when we started advertising for you and promoting you via this podcast we said what do we do about her name it's going to change soon do we do we advertise her old name do we go with the new one we axed the last name altogether for now. <laughs> yes. But we talked about it before we started recording. You're excited about your new name. Oh, my God. It's the most basic name in the world. Miller. Bree Miller. Oh, it's super easy. So that'll be more easy to remember than any other surname I may have or <laughs> whatever. So, yes, be on the lookout for Bree Miller. Um, As the top real estate agent in the area. In the world. In the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, sh- <laughs> shoot for the stars, right? land on the moon. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you might have to get a few licenses, but we'll work yeah, nothing on, too crazy, on the global. Yeah. Get up uh, into Canada. 
I don't know if you can legally. Well, okay, own let's land. not get too crazy. <laughs> Does anybody buy land in Canada? I thought you were just kind of granted it and through either hockey game bets or your family. <laughs> yeah, just like I just kind of lived there for a bit, and then eventually, just no one came around anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to pass on that. That's so, the only one. Somebody just asked if I wanted it. I said yes. <laughs> you know, I got it the old-fashioned way. I stole it just like that car. <laughs> <laughs> the car. Much like 96 Honda Accords, oh the land can be stolen in Canada. <laughs> More than once. <laughs> the, the, the two guys that stole it were nice, though. They split it up. and they just, Oh, I'm sure. Did they fill it up with gas when they left it? I I couldn't tell you. I wish I knew. If a car gets I stolen. I hope they're doing well, though. <laughs> a car gets stolen in Canada and they're too polite. They fill it up with gas. Like, yeah. Give you a new paint job. Right, sorry. Uh, yeah. Spray paint. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Got a $25 Tim Hortons gift card. Tim Hortons. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Sorry. Hey, I'm having a lot of fun, so I have another question for you. Oh, gosh. Uh, you're a Green Bay Packers fan. No, don't even bring up to Zedaria Smith. No, why would I? That's a that that is small potatoes compared to oh god uh, Devonte Adams to the Raiders. Okay, obviously I'm upset. I'm upset, but here is the silver lining. My fiance is a Raiders fan. Oh, I am boy. like a low key like kind of Raiders fan only because the Raiders. <laughs> The Raiders. But, um, you know, I was always a Charles Woodson fan, and he was a Raider, Packer, Raider. So um, there's that. And, yeah, so if it were if he had to go anywhere, I'm happy it's there. Then I can still root him on. Maybe I can wear a little jersey, whatever. But, um, yeah. I've got a question over here. Oh, God. So yes, I'm raising sir. my hand sir? Uh, for our listeners. <laughs> uh, who's Aaron Rodgers going to throw it to? I don't know. A traffic cone. The Mercedes Lewis that's 100 years old. (laughs) The last time he caught a ball, he just threw it to the other team. Because he's like, I've never actually caught a ball in a game. (laughs) You guys, I'm a little stressed. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. We've got a bunch of no names. Ready? Sorry, I didn't mean to stress you. No, it's all right. You're after the old championship. That's what everybody's after. (laughs) At the end of the day. Panthers over there, the Vikings here. You're the a Panthers fan. Yeah, I loved how you like immediately got into spin zoning it being a good thing because I do that with every trailer. <laughs> like, like, I don't like, want to talk about this yeah, anymore. We just gave away yeah. our two best players for nothing. And I'm like, well, here's here's a spin zone on it. <laughs> we suck still. So it yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's true. Like, Green Bay will probably, obviously, in our division, still be a contender, but... Um, <laughs> Chicken tender, love it. Yeah, one of Matt's favorite, one of my favorite lines of Matt's. I mean, you've you've listened to a lot of our podcasts. Yes, and, and thank you for being a great supporter. Of course, it's hilarious. Both I love listener it. and sponsor. That's, that's somewhat rare, you could say. <laughs> but one of my favorite lines Matt ever said was, uh, "His boy Luke Keekley retired, yep. right? But then he got hired as a football coach." And Matt said. I hope one of his responsibilities as a football coach is to play middle linebacker. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm still holding out. <laughs> it's like, I couldn't be a top like, five. Like, if you're listening to yeah. this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he addressed Luke directly, oh so God. you're correct. <laughs> I don't think he listened. Oh God, you never know. You can always tag him on Twitter or however that works. Mm, uh, he's the type of guy that doesn't use social media. Yeah. Oh, but bless him. Of course he wouldn't. Yeah, Boston College boy. All around good guy. Yeah, it's a real moonshot to get a hold of those NFL players. But, Bree, 
A lot of fun having you yes, here thank in the studio. Uh, where can people find you, contact you, all of the above? Um, okay, so Facebook, um, it's Bree Chossy, Chossy, Chosse. It's B R I C H A U S E dash Northwest Realty Group. Or same thing on Instagram. Um, We'll nobody, have to nobody wants to know my TikTok. We'll have to go through a whole <laughs> rebranding process. Yeah, it'll be Brie wedding. Miller eventually, but we'll get there when we get there. But um, Don't talk bad about your TikTok. It's fantastic. Thank you. It's really just my dog. I know. It's I'm awesome. going to make a few funny ones in the future. If, if, if but... there's a Brie Chaucey slash soon-to-be Miller TikTok fan, <laughs> super fan, it's probably in this room. Oh and God, it's not yes. Jordan. <laughs> makes me even happier it's yeah, just so much sweeter yeah. <laughs> yeah that guy kind of sucks <laughs> uh phone number 701-426-4262 and because i'm a realtor i take phone calls at any time of day exactly and i remembered her phone number from uh when we <laughs> were younger that. because it's literally the easiest phone number ever 701-426-4262 yes last name will change that phone number will not Okay, you heard it here first, Bree. Thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you, guys.